Welcome to the Homegrown Podcast, the place where we share the truth about food and farming from our kitchen to yours. I'm your host, Liz Hazelmeyer, along with my husband, Joey. Good evening. And together we hope to inspire, educate, and equip you in your pursuit of true nourishment. I feel like I need a badge because I'm finally saying that from memory. Like I'm no longer <laughs> reading that script. Well, I'm pretty and sure you messed it up. I didn't. Yeah. I said it perfect. I'm kidding. <laughs> See, this is why I have to read my notes in front of me. Anyways, today we're going to be talking about sourdough. I'm super excited. We already did a sourdough 101 episode that was honestly super informative, really helpful, even just listening to it again. I was like, yes, I love the the topics we covered and how we just kind of built off the free sourdough guide because that thing has, at this point, I think been downloaded 30,000 times, which is insane. If that's you a lot of sourdough that people are making. That's so many families. That and this are, is not like a normal sourdough episode, right? The one we're on? No. Right now. Like we're not going to be just... So so hang with us. If, if we just, you know, don't, don't, don't click off yet because we're going to be getting into some concepts around burnout and what we're going to call nourishment fatigue mm-hmm. in the realm of sourdough. And we're going to do this kind of series throughout a number of different categories, right? So there's, we're going to talk, we'll, we'll do one for raw dairy. We'll talk about sourdough today. We're going to talk about a number of other ones, both in, you know, maybe it's physical fitness, maybe it's organ know, fermented foods or organ meats. You know, game meat, honestly, is a big one where you can get some serious fatigue. Mm-hmm. So, I agree. Anyways, I cut you off. You were talking about people downloading the... the the free guide. Yeah. So the sourdough free guide, we covered that extensively, basically just in audio format and infused some extra context in there. And so that's the first sourdough episode. So if you're listening to this now, you haven't listened to that, you'll be fine. We'll we'll cover some of the high level topics you need to hear. You don't need to like pause and go listen to that. But at some point, if you're new to the world of sourdough or you haven't given that a listen, I highly recommend. I think it's like an hour 20, mm. hour 40 episode. You can break that up. Uh, but today we're going to be doing like the sourdough 201 joey thinks it's 102 whatever the next no, 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 no. series is the, the, it's not it, it goes 101 102 no it goes 101 201 that doesn't make any sense i'm just i'm pretty sure in like college classes it would be a 201 maybe i'm insane well if it's a college thing you're probably right but if it's just like logical and it's not <laughs> some higher don't. education bogus <laughs> This is master degree over here. We say this as two people that both graduated with higher education. I'm going to need people to reach out and tell me because someone else is going to know. It's 201. It's 102. (laughs) Okay. Well, in this episode, we hope to cover some... I really want to talk to the person who has maybe made their starter already and Mm. they maybe made a few loaves and baked with it. They were doing the classic artisan loaf. So not me. Definitely not you, but I'm going to be talking <laughs> at you. It's going to be great. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, we can converse because the thing I like is that you're not super well-versed in sourdough. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of illuminate thoughts that people might be having as they're listening to me ramble on because I, I'm i not an expert by any means. I'm just a home baker. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm enough like detail-oriented and yeah. researched and I've read a couple of books and I feel like I can at least talk my way around the topic in a way that paints it in a more approachable way. I totally. think that's the hardest thing about sourdough culture is – it can seem there's like these weird terminologies and this process and it's a very ancient almost like sacred method that people want to hold on to i love that i think it's beautiful but it's also super confusing for the beginner and i was the beginner for way too long i didn't graduate into that next phase of sourdough baking for a long time and i think that's what i want to encourage people to do is sort of level up their sourdough baking both just in their understanding of their usage of the starter 
So if you're someone who's created a starter and you're like, okay, I made a couple loaves, but like my family's not really finishing it or yeah, it's cool to make on the weekends, but it's not something I'm practically integrating into my kitchen. I want to encourage you in ways of how to do that. Mm. Different recipes to try, different ways we utilize sourdough in our kitchen. And honestly, just be really truthful and say, you know, I recently threw away one of my starters and started from scratch yeah. because that that can happen. And there's no point in your sourdough journey where it's just over and you're done. And you're like, well, that was a fun phase. Glad I did that. So so we're combating burnout and nourishment fatigue. Yeah. And and let's define that. Well, this was really your kind of concept. You You were talking about last night even. We were just talking about how... On people's real food journeys, there's there's different phases. I think initially everyone's kind of, you know, you can get overwhelmed, inundated with information. But once you're in the game and you're starting to figure out how your family can be better nourished, you there's an excitement period. You mm. called it the honeymoon yeah, period. Yeah, yeah. You're super excited. Maybe you bought what's for dinner and you're cooking through the weeks. So you're like, this is awesome. I'm in the flow. I'm, I'm on it. And then there's going to be a time if you're doing this long enough where you are burnt out. Or maybe you enter a season of life that you weren't expecting or you were expecting, but it just, it has turned your kitchen rhythms on their head. So what are some of the reasons that we get burned out? What are, what are the, what are like the, this is the cause, like this is why I can't do this anymore. Well, like I just said, I think some of it is life season. I think some of it is the kitchen is, is a demanding place and space for us because we have to eat three to five times a day. And if you have kids, you have to feed them. And, you know, if they're if they're outside the house, they're being fed other places, but you're probably packing lunch or something. So you're in charge of feeding, you know, a number of mouths or even gosh, just feeding yourself. It can be a bear. So I think some of it is life circumstance. Mm-hmm. I think some of it is a loss of inspiration. Yeah. I think some could be, you know, maybe you come on financial times where you're like, mm. this is no longer sustainable. These extra dollars that we put towards our nourishment. I actually need those back and I need to reallocate. And I haven't yet mastered the skills to really be scrappy and really kind of dial in my finances. Because there's a lot of people that eat really good food on no money. Yeah, And I know them personally. I think, I think for me, some of the reasons why I see this burnout happening, there's a number of them. One reason has to do with life, like rhythms, mm-hmm. being in a routine, mm-hmm. right? And... I can tell you today that, and if you follow me on Instagram, you would know that I eat basically the same lunch <laughs> every day. Yeah, it's accurate. That, but like, why have people would ask why are, why, are, why why haven't you burnt out on the lunch? And it's like, well, this is what I know my body needs. I eat it. I get a certain amount of time for lunch, and I don't want to get into a rhythm of potentially, you know, trying to keep it, shake it up all the time, and and I, I just need to eat. You're okay with that sort of. Um, mechanical process of lunch eating where you're eating the same thing over and over. I can be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What if it was all three meals like that? I would struggle. Okay. So lunch maybe is a particular one where you're like, I'm okay to eat the same thing over and over. I need fuel so that I can keep going. Mm. And you're out of the house. You're not in your own kitchen. You don't have your own fridge. I don't have any like staples. I, I have to have like food that I buy that that is nourishing and like responsible. And I have to go buy it that week. And mm-hmm. then I have to cook it for myself and eat it. And I oftentimes feel like I'm under a time constraint. So mm-hmm. I need to kind of keep it uh, short. So one reason was, you know, rhythms. If, you're a, if, if you have a family and you have kids and you're cooking dinners, you can get into some really good routines and rhythms. 
This is why we created was for dinners to help establish rhythms and routines. You can cook whatever you want, mm -hmm. but having established rhythms and routines help you stay on track, stay on the path, keep that real food, keep churning it out, right? Rhythms, routines are huge, but there's things that come in the way. And this is where I was getting to. Sometimes stuff rattles your routine. Mm. You go out of town, you go on a trip, you have family come stay with you for a while. Something happens that, you know, there's a disturbance in the force, right? <laughs> and you're laughing because this is what happens to us all the time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying this and you're just like, oh crap, that is exactly what happens to us. So you can get thrown out of your rhythm and your routine and then it's so hard to get back in. Mm -hmm. Why? Why is it so hard to get back in? I don't understand. I don't really know exactly why it's so hard to get back in, but there's sometimes this feeling of demotivation purely because you've lost it and you feel like it's, you're, you're never going to get back. I've lost progress. I'm losing. I'm failing. It's so much easier to feel motivated when you're winning, mm -hmm. right? When you're winning. And and what I would say is, is you kind of sometimes have to zoom out and say, you know what? I might have lost some ground. I don't need to pick it back up exactly where I was. Mm -hmm. Where I need to start slow. Sometimes you got to start slow. I just got a lift in today, 20 minutes, maybe 15, because I've been thrown out of my rhythm with lifting. And even even going in there for 45 minutes to an hour today, man, it would have been, well, time-wise today, probably impossible. Yeah. But also from a like physical capability point of view, really challenging. Now, I did not fall out of the rhythm with running. That's because when I was out of town, I could run. Yeah. I just didn't have my gym. So anyways, I think that's a huge one. I think another one is, you know, humans are naturally going to lose interest in things that, you know, were exciting at one point and maybe now we kind of get used to it. Mm -hmm. Here's the way I'm going to describe it. I love, I love this analogy. I use it all the time. Do you ever work in a restaurant? I know you did. I'm saying this to other people, but like, do you ever work in a restaurant and all of a sudden you had access to fountain soda? <laughs> Diet Coke every time with a squeeze of lime. I'm going to be go. really honest. But that's what I'm saying. I'm going to be really honest. So you, you, got, you get this job, oh, right? I love you're, in the, it. you're in the restaurant and you got, you got, now you have access to the fountain. Yes. It's yours. Oh, it's so good. And and I, I mean, back when I was banging, right, in the restaurant <laughs> industry, it wasn't like people were like, I didn't have to pay for it. I just had soda. That was just, sure. that was a perk. <laughs> that was a great perk of, you know, gr <laughs> grinding it out for <laughs> nine seventy five an hour oh. on the hot food hey, line. that's more than I was made. I was kicking it. But you were a server, though. You were getting tips. That's true. I wasn't getting no tips. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, anyways. So you, you get the fountain drink and for, I mean, I don't know how long it takes, a month, two months, three months. How long did you work there? Two right? years. After a little while, guess what you're not really super interested in anymore? Mm -hmm. The fountain drink, mm. the sodas, mm -hmm. the pop, the Coke, wherever you're from. You're not super interested in anymore. And it's the same thing with all of life. If you go to the same restaurant three days a week, eventually not super interested in that restaurant anymore. Now, if it becomes very just mechanical and I need this to, for sustenance, I think that can be different, right? I'm eating the lunch and it's just fuel, mm -hmm. right? There's little changes to make here and there, right? Sometimes, you know, I get a spicy sausage. Sometimes I you get... You forego the olives if you're Sometimes crazy. I, you know, ditch the olive and I do a hard-boiled egg. <laughs> Anyways, if you've been married, 
that's where the honeymoon phase comes from, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you get married, you're all excited. Like, my life just changed forever. Three weeks later, you're like, it didn't change that much. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm kidding. Marriage is amazing. It's, it's awesome. I love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he says as he's sitting across from me. You, I mean, it's it's the same thing. I actually thought of the marriage analogy too because you do have to be a little bit, you, not a little bit. You ha- definitely have to be intentional in your relationships and your um, approach to all of life. Otherwise, you'll feel stale and stagnant. Mm-hmm. And I think that this episode is coming at a perfect time because personally, we were just thrown out of a lot of rhythms, totally. and it was our own fault. It was. We didn't forecast that. Mm-mm. We knew we had some travel. You've been traveling a ton. Um, we knew that I was going out of town. We knew that we were hosting family, which we freaking love. And honestly, part of that beauty of having our system sort of shaken up is it can expose things a little bit and and puts us in a position where, hey, we need to have a better system in place for this mm-hmm. next time. Or, hey, we um, could have handled that a better way. And, you know, this is the way that it did function well. And this is the way that it didn't function super well. So this episode is really coming from a place of Hey, if you're feeling fatigue in your approach to wellness, we're going to dial in today on the sourdough world because it is so vast and so grand. And I think people quit too soon. Mm -hmm. I think they're like, hey, I made a couple of loaves and I'm good. Quit with a lot of things. And and that's and that's something that. Yeah. That sorry uh, if I cut you off. But the you know where I was going to wrap up my original kind of statement there was that there's the there's the rhythm and routine. And then there's the honeymoon phase of the we get excited about something new. Humans get excited about something new as long as it's something they want or maybe couldn't have before, but now they do. But but something new is oftentimes exciting. The new iPhone 14 came out. Did it come out? Oh, yeah. Do they still do like the big talks? Oh, yeah. The keynote the situation? Features? Oh, yeah. Is it sweet or is it? I watched it when I was in Chicago and... I mean, the, the actual tech itself, the watch looked super cool. Mm, right? Yeah, I'm not a fan of the wearable I know. technology. I'm probably not going to get it. I'm just saying the watch looked really cool. Mm-hmm. Now, everything else, not super exciting for me. I have, you know, an iPhone 13. So the 14 just didn't feel like an enormous upgrade. Sure. And that to me is always a little bit like a little bit of a, not like a letdown. Like it was obviously faster or whatever, probably a bigger camera and all that. But I was looking for something groundbreakingly different, mm-hmm. right? When I went from a phone with a button to a phone without a button that felt like a big change so, Dude, what anyways. if they came out with a flip phone shatter the earth yeah just <laughs> i don't know that i'll get it, it. We'll just, maybe, let's bring it back maybe i'll have a flip phone someday again no, who knows no capacity to track you or listen to what you're saying <sighs> they would never do that anyways so the excitement of something new right and and that's where that's where the new restaurant that i haven't been to the new country i've never been to i mean it's, you see it in all aspects of life. And so it's obvious and, and I feel like believable that it would also be within the real food journey. Yeah. And so, you know, let's, let's get into, let's get into that first challenge and talk about some of the ways that we can remedy this, this rhythm and routine threat. Mm. Right. Well, do you want to back up a little bit and just do a quick sourdough overview? Yeah, that's great. That's a great point. If we're going to talk sourdough, let's, let's jump through in the, the overview of our recent or our, our not recent, 
but our last episode, Saturday Little One. Let's talk about that. It was an early episode too. It was actually several months ago, but I did just re-listen to it and I, I kind of wanted to get a grasp for the topics we covered there so we don't do a ton of repeat. But in general, I think high level for you to understand sourdough. If I'm talking to you and you have no idea, mm-hmm. you know, oh, I see that in the store. It's right next to the whole wheat. It, it's kind of tangy. Something I say over and over again is sourdough is not a flavor, it's a method. And at its most basic form, it is just taking a medium like flour and water and cultivating the microbes that are in our environment, meaning different types of bacteria and wild yeast. And so before we had little convenient packets of yeast, we could bloom with warm water and create yeasted breads. We used to always have to use a culture of some kind. Now, I know some people just do... Uh, just do water and flour. I know other people throw, like Caitlin from Cultured Guru, she throws in some of her brine, I believe, into hers, and she makes it really diverse. So I know some people do shredded apple. There's different ways to do it, but in its, again, most basic form, sourdough is utilizing that wild yeast and bacteria that we cultivate through the thing we call the sourdough starter. And that's what makes the breads or the doughs or the pizzas rise. I mean, can we give it a new, I mean, can we rebrand it? Because I feel like that's the problem. We're calling this a sourdough episode and it's so easy to have a a picture of a loaf of bread pop into your head Mm -hmm. when we're talking about sourdough. Mm -hmm. And I think if, if we just, if we called it, I don't know, sourdough baking, or if we called it, I don't know, baking with a starter. It's not, it's not always have to be baking either, yeah. right? So it's always have it always has a heat component. You're right. You could make pancakes, which you don't bake a pancake. You could make sourdough waffles. It always has some sort of heat component because we're never consuming raw flour. Yeah. But there, it's more of a wild fermentation, I think is what I would say. The wild fermentation way of utilizing wheat and mm. wheat-like substances. So, you know, I always get the question, can you do a gluten-free sourdough? And I, I kind of answer it in a way that is a yes and a no. Yes, there are people that make 100% gluten-free sourdoughs. Sometimes they have to add in extra things to combat the fact that they don't have that glutinous structure Mm -hmm. so the purpose of gluten if you've ever mixed water and flour together and those proteins have then started to form and build strength you notice it's sticky it's elastic if you give it extra time to rest you can stretch it between your fingers Mm -hmm. what happens is that elasticity in the oven when you enter in a ton of hydration or just a lot of water into a dough that steam begins to um, come out of the dough in the hot oven and that steam gets trapped in little bubbles and those bubbles if you can imagine the outside of that are created by the gluten because it's a stretchy substance within mm-hmm. the dough so if you have a gluten-free flour that has no elasticity you have to put in something to be a structural support to kind of give you the scaffolding like totally. element in yep. that bread so that's why i'm like i think when people are searching for gluten-free sourdough they're searching for the best of two worlds that shouldn't necessarily collide. Because I truly believe like if you're going to be gluten-free, then you should be aiming to nourish yourself with food that don't naturally contain gluten. It's like vegan cheese. Yeah, it's it's kind of, and I don't say that to, to say, hey, if you've got a rockin' gluten-free sourdough that you're loving and you like to ferment your um, non-glutinous product, that is fantastic. Keep doing that. But the general public 
trying to reach for what they might see as the gold standard, which would be a sourdough fermented product and gluten-free, that stems from a misunderstanding of what gluten is Mm -hmm. and what it does in the body. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times the process of fermentation can actually help combat some of the issues that people feel like they were seeing with the gluten, not to mention wheat is a whole other story. And I like that we had the episode with Alyssa on talking about freshly milled heritage wheat because she kind of gave some light to that. I mean, I feel like I learned a ton in that episode with her. And so that's a great episode too to reference if you're still kind of like, well, I thought wheat was bad. And, you know, I I tend to, if I see a gluten-free option, I want to reach for that because that's, it feels healthier in our minds. And I was on that train too. So I I get it. I was never on the train. I don't get it. But the, (laughs) the, the one thing that I do recall from our past episode was Sourdough 101, we were talking about the starter and kind of the mm-hmm. function of that, right? Yeah. And how that really is the whole game. Yeah. And then we talked about this idea of gluten-free on that episode and how it's it's not necessarily that if if you're, we, we, we definitely said if you're celiac, don't eat sourdough bread, mm-hmm. but that there's some folks that we have met and people that we've heard and talked to, and this is not just a few people we're talking there's a number of people in the world that have a sensitivity to you know, you know, standard commercialized wheat and that if they eat sourdough that maybe we have prepared in our kitchen, they tend to do pretty well with it. Yeah. And that that is something that is, I think, groundbreaking. And I, gosh, I wish, I wish we could tell so many people that because not that – here's what I don't want to have happen. For some reason, I feel like whenever I talk about this, People look at me as though I am trying to expose somebody for being a liar. Mm-hmm. I'm not at all. Imagine imagine eating something and it made you feel terrible. Well, I would avoid that thing too. Yeah. And I believe there are people out there that are eating bread and it makes them feel terrible. Yeah. They stop eating bread and they say, boom, gluten is causing me issues. And to an extent, they're right. Mm-hmm. They're right. They go to Subway, they eat a sandwich, they feel miserable. <laughs> Don't eat it, right? It's it's so, it's so that's that's appropriate. That's a very appropriate course of action. So I don't know what it is about people getting extremely defensive whenever I talk like this, because I'm not I'm not trying to say, hey, everything you believe is a lie. I, and I also don't know that this is actually gonna make you feel better. I guess the thought is is that hey, I've found something that for some people has allowed them to eat bread again. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Those that are that are willing to try it and are okay with the fact that, hey, maybe it's this spread that makes you feel bad, but not this one. Even though that makes you start to sound, it makes. It, I think people are scared of that making them sound flimsy or inconsistent, which is ridiculous. Because if you if you know the facts, you know the data, that would actually be a very appropriate thing. Hey, you know what? This bread from X Y Z makes me feel bad. Mm-hmm. This one doesn't. There's some differences. Here's the differences. Here's the reason why I'm feeling bad. I don't know. So for me, that's I thought that was a huge topic we covered and definitely something that, hey, if, you, if you're listening to this, go back and listen to that episode. It's excellent. Mm-hmm. It's excellent. Great content. We put a lot of work into it. So I think everything you just said is, is wrapped up by the phrase we continually repeat, which is food education equals food freedom. Totally. And it's the education behind, hey, all wheat is not the same. All mm-hmm. methods of preparation are not the same. Your, there's like a 50 list of ingredients in the Subway bread. I mean, I used to prep that stuff all the time when I worked there. And uh, that is not real bread in my mind. Real bread is something where I can make in three simple ingredients, Mm -hmm. water, salt, flour. 
maybe I'm adding something to the dough, some butter or something totally. else. But at its basic core, it's it's a difference between real and sort of industrialized or fake foods. And so, yeah, I, th- I think that that's fine to say. I don't, I don't know how how often you're talking. People get defensive, though. But how often are you talking gluten in your everyday life? All the time. Really? Well, my office. Because you because you serve food and totally. people. Oh. All the time. You're so people, I'll hear people say to me things like this. Ready? All the time. Um, yeah, I'm trying to be healthier these days. You know, I'm avoiding gluten. And, and I'm just I'm just trying to do the right thing, and I, and and I'll nod, and I'll think to myself, I am, I am in a different world right now, mm. and if I start spitting off all these things about sourdough and f- different ways of fermenting, you know, bread and how that can change and the different where you're getting your wheat from, these people are gonna look at me like, dude, are you like, are you okay? <laughs> and you know, I, I want to do that, but it's people aren't always primed and ready to receive that kind of information. Yeah, and you got to really be able to hold your tongue in some scenarios because you might come off like a jerk yeah and you shouldn't know like we shouldn't interject all the time that would be inappropriate right to just constantly say oh actually i i know better information than you I mean, do it feels like we're evangelizing yeah I you don't want to hit time. somebody with a bible right it's like sharing the gospel That's, right timing yeah. relationships got to be there so let's get into so sourdough yeah it's at its core it's it's using this you're not, again, you're not birthing the yeast or bacteria. They already live in mm-hmm. your environment. And if you're having trouble getting your starter off the ground, that's why I highly recommend either switching flowers because some of that comes from the flower or switching your environment. Yeah. We shared a story on the earlier episode where my starter was really stagnant. I took it to my mom's house and it doubled in 24 hours. If you look at a bakery that's been baking for a long time, they have a really beautifully diverse sort of like flora in their bakery there's this a concept i forget the author who said it but the naked kitchen is one that has no kind of real wild yeast and bacteria Mm. and i part of me wonders if because i started this shortly after we did our huge kitchen renovation everything in our house was new Mm -hmm. new drywall new subflooring new counters new nothing had crevices where anything could kind of live it was all like sterile and brand new Mm -hmm. and so i do and now i can start a starter within seven days and it's incredible populated and i have no issues there's plenty of stuff in our crevices now plenty of yeast all kinds of stuff (laughs) too many things actually so that that is a part of it right and and so part of the sourdough thing is why and, and a reason why people struggle is because there's so many but ands. But my sourdough starter didn't, you know, pop off on day three like everyone mm. else's did. But I changed it to a new jar and now it's slower to increase. But I changed a little bit of my flour and now I'm worried if the bubbles aren't exactly the same. I promise you, you're not killing your starter unless you're heating that thing or you have left it on your counter for a week longer in 100 degrees. You're fine. It's mm. fine. It's always recoverable. And so hope this episode gets into an encouragement space and really inspires people to whip their starter back out refreshen it bring it back out make a couple new things so if we can run down some of the things that we personally love to make and the reasons why i choose them yeah i think that could be helpful totally so we're continuing the conversation really it's hey you've come this far you're in the game you got the starter and man we're burning out Mm -hmm. and you know, we're experiencing some nourishment, some some of that cooking for your family fatigue, mm-hmm. cooking for yourself fatigue, cooking for someone else fatigue. It happens, right? And next thing you know, you're ordering food in or you're, you know. Buying a loaf at the store of you, bread. You're just, you're just tired mm-hmm. or you're burned out or you're bored, mm-hmm. right? 
And so let, let's let's talk about some of those threats. Some of the threats. The, some of the threats to our our nourishment and, and to our motivation and to our discipline, to our drive. I thought we covered that. Like, what do you mean? So I want to go back to the one we had before and then address ways we can kind of go against it. So if we've got one way we burn out through losing a routine or rhythm, you know, how do we deal with that? Oh, I see. You want to tackle these piece by piece. I'm tracking with you now. Yeah, and this is one where I'm honestly in the midst of rebuilding my momentum because mm-hmm. I didn't bake for a couple of weeks. And I would say falling out of your sourdough rhythm is really challenging because sourdough lives and breathes on a regular cycle. And it all has to do with when you're feeding your sourdough starter and at what point your sourdough starter is peaking, meaning it's, it's the best time to use to bake with it. And so you're in this kind of ebb and flow, this rising and falling of the tides of your sourdough starter, and you're trying to hit that timing exactly right. And by doing that, you're probably baking in your kitchen ideally three to four times a week. And when you fall out of that, all of a sudden, you're like, okay, how do I even jump back in? Mm-hmm. And so right now, something I'm doing is I know I need to, I'm traveling out of town again. I know I need to bring some bread with me. I already have a bread in the case right now but I started a fresh loaf tonight because I knew I my starter needs to be on its peak performance so I can guarantee my breads later this week are good Mm. I've baked some really ugly bread recently remember two loaves ago it was like inedible it was really bad because I had sort of been neglecting my starter I didn't refreshen it enough I didn't give it enough time out of the fridge to really come back alive Mm. I threw it in a loaf I didn't give it long enough to ferment and honestly it wasn't even fully baked in the middle it was probably the worst loaf of bread I've made in three years. And I, that's okay. And that doesn't scare me. I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to get into a tailspin over it. But I purposefully mixed a loaf tonight with the intention of giving it to someone else. I'm not even going to probably touch that loaf as long as it's beautiful enough and like Could gift, you have just giftable. made – and here's an example of a way you could, could, could – it could have just been pizza dough. Yeah, absolutely. So you can, there, that's that's something that one of the ways that we're talking about kind of combating this is, um, and, and we'll get into that one next. But the rhythm and routine thing, I love how, I love how you're talking about it because you're you're basically expressing the importance of a routine and rhythm, mm-hmm. right? It's really important to have it, not only just for you as a human, but your starter needs, but it. your starter needs it too, and that's all good and great. But I'm out of my rhythm. What do I do? Mm-hmm. I'm out of my rhythm, and I already know that I want to bless the people I'm going to be in community with this weekend and I don't want to bring them bad bread truthfully so there's a little bit of like I feel a little bit of pressure on this deadline to make sure my starter is good to go the best way I can do that and to kind of relearn my starter and understand get just back into it yes it's like riding a bike but also there's it's like riding a bike and there's like needles everywhere that could potentially pop your tire oh my gosh. you know like there's just something that could go wrong every time or something that can be a blessing to you and you were like wow that loaf turned out and I thought it was going to be soupy So part of it is like me getting back into the game. Part of it's getting my starter really robust and and ready. And that's just through regular feedings. And but because I want to feed it really a high proportion of flour and water, I don't want to just dump that down the trash can once it's peaked and it's ready for its next feeding. I want to use that. Mm -hmm. So you're right. I could use that in a number of different things. I want to practice my hand at bread making right now. Hypothetically, yeah, I could have turned that into a pizza. It's the practical side of me is seeing your situation and kind of what you've done. And I'm trying to come up with some methods for people that they can also reactivate their routines and rhythms. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to say is, is that through interpreting what you've said, what you did is got some skin in the game. 
Yeah. You promised bread to someone. Yeah. And you've set a standard that most people are like, dude, have you tried Elizabeth's <laughs> bread? Right? Yeah, there's some talk. And, some, and so the word is spreading that, man, we're going, we're going, we're going over to the lake and Elizabeth's bringing bread. Dude, I can't wait. <laughs> and so when you're baking some off, you're probably thinking to yourself, I better, I better get back into practice so that when I show up with the bread, I show up with the bread. Yeah. Right? So that's one way. And, and it's so funny because I use that analogy or that idea in all aspects of life. Right? If you want to self-motivate, you want to s- discipline yourself, not in like a, you know. Punishment. Punishment, but you no. want to utilize discipline in your own life. Mm-hmm. One of the ways you can help kind of kickstart that is through getting skin in the game. Put yourself out there. I mean, it doesn't sound like super exciting, super fun. It's not but it works. Mm-hmm. An example of this would be, man, I, uh, I was I was talking to, to Kyle, my, my little brother. He lives on my street. And he was like, man, he's like, Joe, you, you need to start playing soccer with us again. Didn't run that one past me, did he? No, he didn't. <laughs> and man, I haven't played soccer. In, I might have a different opinion. I haven't played soccer in like six months, it feels like. Longer. Is a it year. Longer? Oh, yeah, a year. You've it's been, been a while. Long. I'm in good shape. But... Man, I, I, I have played a lot of soccer in my life. And there's a part of me that's like, man, it's a shame that I don't get to play. I don't play at all, right? It's a shame that I don't utilize something that I invested so much energy and time into. And it's not like a destructive habit, right? It's not yeah. like I am sick at video games. <laughs> Shouldn't give that. I, I don't want to lose that trait, right? It's almost like, okay, no. Soccer is very, you know, high community and extremely good for me. It's getting me up and moving around. It gets me out of the house. I can bond with you know these guys that I play with. We have this sport together. There's a lot of things for me, is, that, that for, at least personally, that I find healthy. So soccer is something that, that I was thinking about. And, and I didn't do this, so don't get upset, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking, man, if I ever want to truly play again, I'm going to have to commit to a game. I'm going to have to reach out to some people that I know, ask them when they're playing next, and tell them, hey, I'll be there. Mm-hmm. Then when the day comes... I guarantee you, even though deep down, I know I'll like it. Deep down, I know it'll be fun. Deep down, I know it's good for me. The day is going to show up. And, you know, three weeks ago, Joey was super excited (laughs) about this. But day of Joey is going to be super upset. But I'm not going to let all my friends down. I'm going to show up. You would never. And I'm going to play so hard. And I'm going to try to do the best that I can. And I also don't want to show up and look like an idiot, mm-hmm. right? So I might even practice in the basement or take the soccer ball out in the yard and kick around. I might do some, you know, juggling, some basic drills. I might, you know, meet some people up at the park and do some, you know, long balls and some shots on goal. <laughs> it spirals really quickly. <laughs> um, I don't like to be bad at stuff, right? <laughs> but anyways, that, that would be an example of, hey, get some skin in the game. So, you know, promise somebody a loaf of bread. Mm-hmm. That's a great idea. You actually need to buy soccer cleats. That's probably the reason why you haven't played in a year is because no, 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 your no. cleats are falling apart. You're wrong. What? You would play in your current cleats? I have new cleats. You have new cleats? Well, new new-ish. Remember I got them like... Did you play buy cleats and I didn't know? I don't think you didn't know about it. I definitely showed them to you. If I got them out and showed them to you, you'd know what There's they are. There's no chance I knew of that purchase. That's all right. That's fine. Anyways, it's in the past. I, I have nice have cleats. Them. They're just from, you know... A year ago or so, at some point now. Oh. 
Remember My when whole I was playing? World is confused. I was playing outdoor, and then me and and um, Jarrett we were kicking around on a regular basis. Remember, I was meeting him up uh, at the I've, parks and stuff. I've tucked that away in a different corner of my brain i no longer think about Anyways, but good for you new cleats at that point good for you that would be an example right if you didn't commit to a game is buy hey, new, I cleats. Get new oh, cleats exactly Another, hey, i want to start running buy running shoes exactly yeah <laughs> i wish yeah that's a it's a great way it's not it doesn't always require an investment financially but that is a good motivator if you're like hey i've invested in this it could just be i'm going to download the sourdough guide i'm going to mm. print it off I'm going to read through it. I'm going to listen to a podcast. I'm going to buy the Banatons, which are like $30, lower investment, right? And you use them for life. It's not like you're going to, you know, use them one time. And The best, though, the best way to get skin in the game is that if you don't do this thing after you've put skin, that the reason why it's skin in the game is because there's potential consequences, mm-hmm. right? Download the sourdough guide. That is equipping you. That's removing excuses, right? Well, some excuses because if you don't have anything you don't have flour you mm-hmm. go to the store and buy flour mm-hmm. but if you promise somebody a loaf of bread and they get excited that's true there's yeah. consequences yeah consequences yeah it's, that's a little bit more motivating so we're talking about burnout we're talking about nourishment fatigue and we're talking about ways to combat that one of which is through Those- getting some skin in the game and really to back it up the routine and that's to yeah you're right right we're hopping back into that rhythm (laughs) it is it is a little bit of a grind in the first step like the first time you feed your starter again you're like oh am i really gonna use it now can you ease into it or do you have to go like with sourdough do you have to is it this is the rhythm and it's like i i you can't come in slower or fast you can't it's I just I would never encourage someone to get into sourdough if they're like, hey, I'm going to bake three times a year. Got it. That does not feel worth it for me. Your starter will take so long to sort of rejuvenate after six months in the fridge. And so long could be like a week. But is that really worth it? Is mm. it really worth it to bake three times a year? For me, the best sort of system a well-oiled machine is baking regularly in your kitchen. And you can take a couple weeks off. That's fine really your starter to sort of reactivate just needs to warm up after you get off out of the fridge because you want to store it in your fridge for long-term storage if you're if you're not going to feed it every couple days on your counter and then let it warm up take out a portion of that old starter just leave that you know seal team behind that really small condensed version feed that a good healthy portion of water and flour and it might take two three feedings to get really active bubbles and that's okay it might bubble up the first time it just depends on your current situation so yeah you can ease into it meaning you start with one loaf one loaf gets you in there and you know it's a two-day process and that's fine now once you've done that one loaf and you, the thing is, every time you use your starter, you're feeding it again in preparation for the next time you're going to use your starter. So unless you already want to cut that cycle off at the knees after you're just now getting back into it, it doesn't make a ton of sense. But you can always utilize the fridge to kind of start and stop your times. So so the rhythm is, is you're following the rhythm of the starter, but you have ways to slow it down if you need to. Sure. And what would you recommend? If you're getting back into it, you just got rattled, right? We just had, you know, um, a bunch of travel, family vacation, and we showed up at this place and there's no oven and we were there for a week and a half and we just got home. How do we get back into starter, like starter usage, sourdough baking game? 
I'd say warm up your starter like I was just talking about. Use that process. Just get it out of the fridge. Discard a portion. Feed that starter. And then bake your first thing. And here's the thing is it doesn't have to be an artisan loaf. And I think even moving beyond just how do I get back in the game, it's simple. You know what to do. You just pick up where you left off and you continue utilizing your sourdough starter. The thing that really trips people up is they have such a narrow scope of what sourdough can do. And I think the the thing I wanted to call out in this episode was all of the ways that we utilize sourdough starter that isn't an artisan boule or batard shaped loaf. When you're looking at um, perfect loaf or some of these like really sort of like famous uh, Instagram bakers or online bloggers that have these beautiful sourdough loaves, that's just one expression of sourdough. One application, one way, one method. That's, that's great. The crusty loaf of bread that's incredible on for toast or with soup or even like a, a big panini is fantastic. But that's not sandwich bread. That's not pizza dough. That's not any other way. And if you are frustrated because you haven't maybe nailed that like you want to, then I'd encourage you to start in a different place. Mm-hmm. Just learn how that sourdough starter culture ferments a basic dough mm-hmm. before you get into the hardest application, which is artisan loaves. And so even to someone who is listening who maybe doesn't have a Dutch oven, maybe they don't have any, it doesn't have to be a Dutch oven, it has to be a sealed baking container. So a combo cooker, which is just basically two different cast iron pans on top of each other combo cooker also works well but say you don't have that say you don't have the banneton which is like a rattan basket that you use for cold proofing say you don't have some of these other elements that some of these basic supplies that are listed in the sourdough guide there's still ways you can utilize a sourdough starter culture and so and that's a great example of hey i'm getting back into it i'm pretty sure the first thing i made when that dough kind of turned wacky, you just turn it into a pizza dough. Yeah. Because the beauty of pizza dough is, yes, you want it to be a fermented product, but pizza dough is designed to not rise. Mm-hmm. You do not want that thing to rise. You want to press it out in the middle and be flat and crispy. Yes, have some bubbles in the crust on the side, but those are easy. Those are like, you can cough and those will show up. Like, you don't really have to put in a bunch of effort for mm-hmm. that. Versus a totally evenly risen sourdough artisan so this is perfect because the second threat that we talked about was this this idea of losing interest losing excitement Mm -hmm. the honeymoon phase yeah right the honeymoon phase is over you've made the perfect loaves you mastered the christmas tree you got the fall i never even did you got the leaves you got the you know i forgot about the tree i don't know what else there is but you got the, the the biggest ear this side of the Mississippi. <laughs> or you never mastered those things and you lost motivation because you felt defeated. It's another party you could be There's in. A, another there are camp. people that are half cup full and there are those that are half. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying maybe you didn't master those things and you felt unmotivated because you're like, oh, this That's is true. harder That's than true. I thought. It's true. So maybe you couldn't do it and maybe you could. <laughs> Either way. Drama. Anyway. The drama. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Sorry, I'm kidding. So these are, these are my suggestions to that person. And personally, I would love to hear kind of your favorites of what we've made recently. Mm-hmm. Because I think as the consumer of sourdough in our family, 
you know, I, I do get bored of making the same thing over and over, but I don't want to make stuff my family doesn't like. Mm-hmm. I already have one child who doesn't like the artisan loaves. I have another child who does. So it's like, all right, we're, <laughs> you know, 50-50 there. But raise the equalizer, right? She just loves everything, everything. I do, so it's great. But aside from an artisan loaf, you can take that exact same dough recipe, the same amount of fermentation, the same stretch and folds, everything outlined in that beginner sourdough guide. And instead of forming that into an artisan loaf, you can just make a baguette that you bake on a baking sheet, preferably with some parchment paper underneath mm-hmm. so it doesn't stick. You can score it with a knife or chop it with scissors, like snip it with scissors and get this beautiful baguette that you don't have to have some of those other outlying um, supplies on hand say you're traveling and you're like hey i'm gonna bring a tiny jar of starter i know there's flour there that's what you can do i think you could grease the pan for a baguette probably could i just worry because you're heating the oven to either 500 or 450 that whatever you're using might burn a little coconut oil no maybe maybe it might be give it like a little um, what I would fried do instead up dough is, crispy situation. Yeah, I, w- I would use like a semolina flour or a cornmeal. Like okay. you can find it. So dry out the bottom a little bit so it doesn't meal. stick. Well, those things kind of, they act like little um, roller balls underneath the bread. And they sam- somehow, they don't tend to burn and they tend to... Um, Fall off at the end. Yeah, you can just kind of yeah, scrape them off. That's good. Semolina flour kind of has the We've same... We've done that before. Remember we ran out of parchment for like a month but yeah. i feel like every time we were baking it was just flour only yeah it worked out yeah uh so that's an option right you're you're going somewhere you want to bake something you don't want to haul all your supplies but you can have your culture there and or you're just at home you're like i don't want to get out of the cabinet make some baguettes you can make them small yeah and i love that because they tend to be a little bit softer crust because they're smaller. You're not baking them for mm-hmm. as long of a time. They're not getting that really crispy outer layer of caramelization. But you can throw them on a charcuterie board. You can slice them in half for sandwiches. You can break them up and throw them on your kid's plate along with some, you know, meats and cheeses and vegetables and fruits for lunch. Like you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So a baguette is, again, the same simple process, but just kind of prepared in a slightly different way just on the baking and shaping side. And also, like, if shaping has got you so confused and you're like, I cannot work with my dough, try a baguette. Mm-hmm. It's a good it's a good medium ground. I think baguettes are, are pretty, you know, squared away, ready to go. I think pizza. I, you know, if I'm talking to a family that they're looking for something that's going to spark some new excitement, some new interest, Baguettes are fun, and quite frankly, I love them. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm out here trying to make Philly cheesesteaks. <laughs> I'm out here trying to make you know meatball subs. We have an amazing Philly cheesesteak recipe. Excellent ones. Yeah, we do. But I'll say that, you know, um, I'm, I'm kind of thinking that maybe you should, if you're getting kind of bored, you know, ditch the bread situation because you might just be bored of eating bread. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go for, especially in the summertime, when bread just is a little bit, little bit less interesting. Mm-hmm. Wintertime, you got the soups, and it's just a little bit easier, right? Chilies and that kind of stuff. But go for the pizza. Yeah. Go for the pizza. I'll tell you what. Get some, get, get a little bit of skin in the game and have people over for pizza, and and uh, you know buy the ingredients and maybe test one beforehand because you got people coming over. <laughs> Higher standards, people. We gotta raise those standards. <laughs> Anyways, I will say. Just to give some quick tips for if you are using a pizza dough recipe, the one we use in the guide is the, again, exact same kind of measurements and hydration. It's just water, flour, salt. But for our pizza dough, unlike 
when you're baking a loaf of bread, you really want that cold dough to be firm for a loaf. For pizza dough, you really want that to have time to warm up. It's way easier to stretch out a pizza if you're using... Let loosen up a little bit. Yeah, warmer mm-hmm. dough that has some elasticity. It's not going to tear. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, if you're like, I don't have any time, you just like hold it in your hands for a second. And yeah. Just slowly pinch it out with your thumbs mm-hmm. through the center. Uh, I recently shared a reel that I made um, shaping it, but I think I should do another just like full tutorial because sometimes shaping the pizza dough is something that people struggle with. And there's two ways that you can... Uh, manipulate dough in the sourdough world without it sticking to you one is with water and one is with flour one is the right way and one is the (laughs) wrong way well i i used to feel that way i used to be like if you use flour you're a chump i I mean truthfully i used to be like wow that's so lame water's where it's at water's what the bakers do (laughs) and i would say for an for a loaf of bread that might be true still like i wouldn't i don't flour surfaces to shape my loaves for pizza I'm on the flour train. And for those who are, you know, really they don't want to have an ounce of wheat that hasn't been fermented, then yeah, that's going to add some unfermented flour to your to your pizza. It might dust off a little bit. But if you're not into that, then use the wet your hands slightly. I'm the wet your hands boat. Joey wets his hands so much and like slops the pizza crust across <laughs> the parchment paper that you almost smear it like a cracker. And you're into it. And we've had this competition before. I'm pretty sure we had people vote. And I'm pretty sure I won. Okay. I'm pretty sure I won okay. on who has the Here's better the looking deal. pizza. Here's the deal. I like a nice thick crust. Not thick on the whole thing, but I like a, a fluffy, bubbly outside crust. And you just want it to be like, is that Roman style? The like cracker, crispy, thin? And it's not a cracker, okay? <laughs> I want it to be thin and crispy, but I want it to be... A schmear. Okay. It's too much for me. If y'all came out... And you tasted my pizza, and you tasted, uh, you know, Elizabeth's thing Let's that she makes. Oh, you don't even gonna call it pizza. Mine is just not even in another. It's just different mine's, leagues. Mine's prettier. Pretty doesn't taste good all the time. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. I would argue that all night long. So yeah, there, there's you know, a couple tips with that. Warm up your dough, whether you're using water or flour, just warm up your dough you are going to want something to help you kind of shape that because it's not shaping it into a nice tight ball you're strength you're stretching it out and and thinning it out and it's a little bit more technical not technical but a little bit more room for air because the second that thing boat busts open in a hole it's like oh you gotta kind of get some dough and patch it patch it up no one wants a hole in their pizza no one wants a hole in their pizza so we've got some other ways to use your starter Let's just name off a number of them just to kind of show people kind of what that realm looks like. Yeah. There's, there's, there's people that are in the game right now that are listening to this that are thinking. I've already made pizza. I've done that. I've done this. I've done that. Okay. And you you might even be in the boat where you've done more than us. Oh, for sure. And and, and that's great. That's awesome. And I'm going to guess that if you've done more than us with sourdough starter, that you don't get bored with sourdough very often. Mm-hmm. Because it is so versatile. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So um, today I learned. Today I learned. <laughs> Like sitting down for this podcast and planning it out, I learned that we made granola. Even though you literally saw me making the granola. With a sourdough starter. I watched you make it. I I didn't see you you use any starter. I don't know. You didn't see me put the starter in. Yeah. So over the weekend, I wanted to test sort of two different types of granola. This is my standard granola I've been making. That's a non-fermented type. And then I wanted to try fermenting it with some sourdough starter culture. And I wanted to sort of wet the oats even further so i did add some 
raw milk to that and let it ferment on the counter for about seven hours. So the starter culture and the raw milk kind of get in there with those oats. It kind of turned into a pasty um, substance that when it baked off, it became nice and chewy and crunchy. And it, I thought it turned out great. But you can use your sourdough starter culture as a fermentation tool with so many other things. So oats is one of them. Another, um, you know, beautiful grain that benefits from proper preparation. You can use your sourdough starter in sweeter applications. So like a cinnamon roll dough or, Mm -hmm. you know, that coffee cake we made that Mm -hmm. is almost like a pizza dough, but it's not quite. It's not it's not a coffee cake batter, light and fluffy, beautiful slice of cake. It's more of a that cinnamon dough yeah. kind of texture. Coffee cake situation. Did we do burger buns? Yeah, we've made burger buns with sourdough. We did sandwich bread. Sandwich bread. Yes, yeah, so the key with burgers, any of those last three things we just mentioned, the burger <laughs> buns, the sourdough sandwich bread, which looks like, you know, a thing you buy at the store when i say sandwich bread i mean like it looks like wonder bread it's sliceable you put on sandwiches soft light airy no real hard crusty cover um and then the also the dough like the sweet dough for the cinnamon rolls all those doughs have in common is they have added fat usually in the way of a butter or a coconut oil and they have um typically some sort of sweetness so i also use milk for those instead of water so when i'm making a you know, my hamburger buns, I'm throwing in milk in that, a little bit of butter and maybe like a tablespoon of sugar just to kind of sweeten up the dough Mm -hmm. a little bit. Helps give it some um, lightness, some softness because when I'm biting into a sourdough, you know, hamburger bun, I don't want a lot of chew there. I want it to be nice and tender and I want it to be um, just a different texture versus like that classic sourdough is just water, flour, salt. So you can add in elements of fat, elements of sweetness, um, to create that softer dough, but you don't have to use the instant packets of yeast. You can absolutely, my kind of go-to when I'm subbing out, okay, it calls for yeast, but I'm going to use my sourdough starter instead. I just do like a basic 50 grams of starter. So, or, you know, if you want to use a half cup or Mm -hmm. a quarter cup at the end of the day, you're going to watch your dough Whatever that amount is that you originally put in will continue to ferment and and digest those starches in that dough anyways. And so it might just need a little bit more time if you put in less or a little less time if you put in more. Those things kind of counteract in that way like a seesaw and, and then you can move on from there. So I think understanding that there are ways to soften a dough, to sweeten a dough, to make a dough lighter and less chewy or to like a pizza. I do kind of want some chew on my pizza. I want that really firm gluten development. I want it to have a crispy outer crust. Mm-hmm. Way two different applications, but um, the same basic fundamental and it's all on the starter. So those are just ways that you know, the internet is so abundant with sourdough recipes and The Perfect Loaf is a great website. He details everything, all of his recipes. Um, Maurizio is the baker there and, and he just does a wonderful job. So you can, and you can find whatever, whoever speaks to you personally, right? Um, and just go searching, get some inspiration. Look, look online, look on Pinterest. Do people still do Pinterest? I think so. Look on Pinterest, look on whatever search engine you want. And look for some sourdough recipes that fall outside of that traditional loaf because trying them is going to be building a new skill. And honestly, I hope it, it kind of gives you some more inspiration. Right on. So we're talking through the burnout, nutrition, or nourishment fatigue. 
And through that, we've kind of identified two, this conversation really, just now, mm -hmm. we've identified two kind of threats to this, this nourishment journey that we're on. Mm -hmm. One of those being getting shaken and, and, and rattled out of our rhythms, our routines. Yeah. And some of the ways that you can kind of get back into that is, is you can start out easy, you can start out small, you can, you can, or you can go big and you can, you can get some skin in the game. Mm -hmm. but at any rate, we gotta, we gotta try to ward off the threat of being rattled out of our rhythms. Um, one of the ways I was even thinking about, just as we're kind of tying a bow on this, and this episode, in, you know, really, is that falling out of your rhythms is something that you can also forecast. Yeah. And so I didn't want to end this episode without saying that. You can forecast the fact that I mean, we've all been here before. We've all been in a scenario where, I mean, I'm doing really good with X, Y, Z, and I got sick for three days, and I just can't get back into it. Mm -hmm. I was doing super well with, you know, baking with my sourdough starter, you know, three times a week. And we went on a trip. Our in-laws came in town. Our, we had a baby, right? There's so many things that can shake it up a little. Next thing you know, I'm out of my rhythm, I'm out of my routine. And we can forecast those things. And once you've forecasted that, you can almost preemptively establish things to help protect you from that. Yeah. If you're in the rhythm, you're going to be a lot less scared to get skin in the game. <laughs> Future you might be upset, but you can like, I don't know, it sounds crazy, but you can establish things that kind of make you not fall out of your rhythm or that while you're in your rhythm, set something up in the future so that you, once you've kind of been rattled a little bit, you know you're going to get back into it. Mm -hmm. Anyways, forecasting. You can do it. You can see things coming. You can watch it shake you out of your rhythms and your routines the second one was this excitement losing that interest the honeymoon phase and some of the ways that we can combat that is you know seeking out new and exciting ways to use this method again we, we need to open our eyes and zoom out a little bit and identify that the sourdough method is not the big loaf of bread that is super crusty and which is amazing honestly mm -hmm. I, mean, I want some even as i'm talking about it right now it's upstairs go get it but the sourdough bread is not the only application in use it might be the most photo you know photographed version mm -hmm. of the sourdough method the most iconic for sure but there's so much other opportunity there yeah and that's one of the ways that we can combat utilizing or the, the fatigue of utilizing our sourdough starter so and i would add to that if you're in the camp and you're like hey maybe these Maybe the artisan loaf wasn't for me. Either I nailed it or I didn't. It wasn't for me. You try some of these other methods and, and they're going to really bless your family and you're going to love it. There might also be that person who is looking for more. They want to level up their sort of understanding of sourdough and they want to run themselves sort of through um, what I would call like learning, intentional learning experiences. And so two ways I would do that is one, practice baking with an unfed starter because you're going to really learn the process of fermentation. And that means you're taking a starter that maybe sat on your counter for two days and is a little bit thin and runny, something you'd usually ditch in the trash before you fed again, go ahead and bake with it. You have to extend your fermentation time because if you imagine that same amount of, of starter would eventually peak back up again given the right food. Well, it's going to get the right food inside of your dough, but it's going to need that extra time to peak back up and then continue, right? If you can imagine that, imagine it peaking within your dough. The other thing that is always a challenge that, you know, I never recommend people to start out in the beginning, but if they've mastered the dough of 
bread, then work on enrichments, work on adding in something, fruit, nuts, flavoring, cinnamon, um, try adding a type of fat into your dough and see how that works. So it's, it's something to be bored and something to feel stagnant, but it's also something to say, Hey, I'm going to push myself and try to learn a bit, a little bit more. And this, these are ways I can do that. So that would be like my level up sort of encouragement to folks who are like, I need some inspiration or I want to learn this process even harder, even better. Yeah. These are things that be I be willing do. to risk it all, you know, being able to risk the, all the, you know, perfection that you might've once had. Right. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Anything else on, on routines and rhythms or losing excitement? No, you know, I covered it all. I, I think that we not, a, I didn't cover it all, right? There's still more we could say, but just for the context, context of this conversation, I think we, we talked about it and I just want to reiterate that we're speaking from experience because this is something that we feel as a family who is on this mission every day and you know don't think for a moment that there aren't days where we're like oh I do not want to cook dinner or oh I do not like um, that sourdough starter is peaked it's bubbly it's frothy it's looking at me I do not want to start a loaf right now like I've been there I know what that's like and so it's not like we're speaking from something that we are immune to Mm -hmm. by no means we feel it i I would be surprised if real food burnout is real especially in a world where convenience is so oh yeah available Mm -hmm. and and such the norm it would be it would be odd if you were like i love the cooking and the cleaning all day every day it's incredible it's fantastic and never gets and we gotta we gotta we gotta look out for for that kind of stuff man that comfort creep creeps in you know Mm -hmm. that comfort starts to creep in next thing you know you're out of your rhythm you're out of your routine and you're not excited and you gotta you gotta work against that anyways i think that's a great place to wrap this up yeah i agree hey if 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 y'all liked this if you if you liked hearing about how we make our pizzas if you like knowing that i make a better pizza than elizabeth (laughs) so far beyond the truth i can't even express you can you can hear more go about follow him on joey and <laughs> hazel meyer and you can hash you can, it out you can uh you can find us on instagram we're both on there i'm at joey Hazelmeyer. she's at liz Hazelmeyer. she's also we're, we're, she's also at homegrown underscore education if you want to learn more about sourdough and all things real food nutrition we've got resources resources for you at homegrowneducation.org you can go on there there's a sourdough guide if you don't have the sourdough guide oh my gosh grab it go get it it's free it is free so the sourdough guide is free go get it get in the sourdough game if you're not in the sourdough game and this was something that sounded interesting all the stuff we were talking about read that guide a lot of this will make more sense go read the guide and listen to this again Mm -hmm. or the first episode like we said or exactly go back and listen to the first episode 101 instead of 201 also check (laughs) this is 102 anyways go uh listen to the episode with Alyssa. We talked to her from Better Basic Milling. She's a gangster with flour, and she's out yes. there, you know, killing it. Also, honestly, we talked, we got into a lot of this stuff with Caitlin. Yes, the uh, fermentation episode. You can go get into that. That's awesome, awesome content there as well. We we basically talk about sourdough, raw dairy, that kind of stuff in every single episode. I love that we're building this like entourage of episodes, though. So if anyone rolling in is like, "Ooh, this is an interesting topic," we can meet like the people we have interviewed on this podcast have blown me away. That's sick and given it's us so much free information that I'm just like, y'all better go listen because it's so good. So if you like if you liked hearing from us and you and, and you don't want to follow us on Instagram but you love hearing our voices, we have a lot more episodes. <laughs> 
as Elizabeth alluded to. <laughs> Go back and listen to some of those. You can support us. You can leave a review on the podcast. You can send us oh, a message yeah, on ins- Instagram. You can, um, yeah, you can buy the resources. You can get the real food guide. You can mm-hmm. get what's for dinner. You can get your rout- routines and rhythms for everyday nutrition and nourishment established. You can you can do that. And we're here to help you. And we want to help you. Mm-hmm. With that, until next time, that's a wrap.